You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to episode 29 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always a legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron packed, loaded show uh, this evening. We had the Sunday night miracle uh, of an Eagles win. No, I'm just kidding, against Dallas. Uh, <laughs> Big Ben taking care of the Ravens, the Jets being terrible once again, and we also have a little bit to a talk. But Aaron, how are we doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Back to our, uh, you know, slated schedule, I would say. And, uh, yeah, exciting exciting weekend of sports, exciting uh, NFL matchups. Really, uh, the Steelers game re- really stood out to me as the, as the game that was, you know, exciting to watch from start to beginning, from start to end, excuse me. Um, obviously not, not with it already tonight, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, let's, let's dive right into it. It was a good, good sports weekend, I would say. It's Aaron's second victory Monday uh, of the season, so he's riding high, uh, to say the least, folks. But let's get into today's topics. <laughs> and now for today's topics. All right, folks. Uh, Eagles took down the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, final score of 23-9. to uh, You know, the box score, I think the final score there is kind of deceiving. Carson Wentz, uh, pedestrian stat line, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, take some wild sacks. Uh, I think that's kind of a theme with him. It, you know, he's the kind of guy who, you know, you, you look at him and you compare him to like Eli Manning. Eli Manning is going to, as soon as he sees a defender within five feet of him, he's going to collapse and turtle. Uh, Carson Wentz will not go down unless three 300-pound linemen are on top of him. And I, I kind of respect that trait about him. But uh, nonetheless, very interesting to watch unless you're an Eagles fan. Uh, Dallas obviously went with Gucci Danucci. Uh, we talked about that guy last week. He was throwing a lot of sidearm throws, some submarine pitcher vibes from him. He stinks. Uh, I think he went 21 of 40, so uh, not a great stat line there. But what can you say from a third-string uh, third quarterback? Um, Dallas looks terrible. Their defense is awful, um, as they have been this entire season. They look like they won't win another game this year, and I won't be too upset about that now that Aaron – uh, the Eagles are in the driver's seat for the NFC East, uh, but let's get into it, Aaron. Um, give me your, give me a few takeaways from from the Sunday night matchup. Yeah, so uh, a game that you know I kind of kind of felt like I called early on when I said I, I could see this game being close early on, and, and really at halftime I uh, I almost flipped my TV upside down because just the 
one of those games where, you know, you come in with kind of low expectations uh, in the respect that it's, both teams aren't very good. I mean, that's, that's obvious. Um, Dallas is horrible and Philadelphia, I would say is, it is just crappy. And, you know, I don't want to say they're absolutely horrible, but they're close to it in a lot of different ways. Um, a game where, you know, being an Eagles fan was honestly hard to watch and really, um, you know, I've, I've been a proponent this season, at least uh, of, you know, trying to back Carson Wentz and give him the benefit of the doubt playing with, with these practice squad guys and, and a banged up offensive line. But I, I, this game, uh, you know, honest to God, third quarter, I, I was thinking that, you know, I would not, I would not have hated if they would have put Jalen Hurts in the game at, at that point, because I don't know, you, if you're Carson Wentz, you know, you compete against Pittsburgh, you compete against Baltimore, the, these elite defenses. And it's, it's time and time again, where it, it's been under the Doug Peterson regime. It's been under the, the Carson Wentz tenured, um, where it's almost like they'll play down to the competition. So, so you're bl- are you blaming Wentz? Or are you are you going to blame Doug Peterson for for I guess the entire team's level of play? I think uh, I think I, I'm going to put I don't know I'm going to I I'll put it, this math isn't going to make any sense but I'm going to put like sixty <laughs> per, I, this is just how I feel I'm going to put like sixty percent on Wentz yeah. and I'm, I'm going to put like at least fifty five percent you know like I said this math is not going to make any sense but I'm going to put <laughs> at least a little bit over half the blame on, on on Doug Peterson. I'm, I'm one of those people where, yeah, coaching is important. Yeah. Coaching, you know, wins you games ultimately in the, in this league, but you got to execute. So I mean, to turn the ball over, you know, a total of four times, if you're Carson Wentz, two lost fumbles, which he's absolutely a joke at holding onto the ball. I don't know if it's like, if he doesn't put anything, maybe he should get some pine tour. Like, I don't know if that's some stick him. It's stick stick him on his hands. I think. Hey, you know, anything. I mean, put just put some Elmer's glue on your hand. Put the foil on. Something, man. Just give me something. Because it, it's just time and time and time again, he just fumbles the ball. And, and where I was really over, you know, underwhelmed, I should say, is, you know, th- this defense is historically bad. So, if, you know, <laughs> you're talking one of the worst defenses to ever take the field ever in history of the NFL. And you're hating, on, me, you're hating on my guy, Jim Schwartz. No, no, not even, man. I'm, I'm talking about Dallas's defense now. Oh, you're uh, talking about Dallas. I see. More, I see. Yeah, more, more. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going on a tirade here. It's, it's coming to an end. But as far as just, you know, um, they, like I said, they come in historically bad on defense. Dallas does, and, and if you're the Eagles, you go into the half with seven points. I mean, late in, the, late in the third quarter, I, I don't know if it was the Eagles game. I don't know if I didn't eat enough, but I had a headache to the point where I turned the damn game. I turned the damn game off. I, I had the audio still playing in the background, but I had enough. I, I saw enough. I mean that that pick that went through, you know, fading out of the end zone, um, just just terrible. I mean, I I, I, I thought that I thought that guy was out of bounds for for the record. Let the record show what I thought here, folks. <laughs> hey hey, nothing wrong with the with the hot take there, but. At the same time, if you're going to throw the ball out of bounds, throw the ball out of bounds. You shouldn't have to be coached on how to throw the ball out of bounds. That, that was clearly where he was like, you know, I don't really have a shot at this. I'm going to throw it, throw it basically out of bounds, not really be, you know, not not catchable for my receiver going for the ball. I don't know, man. Just I like I said, I, that was the type of game where I knew we were going to win, kind of by default. Like I said, I yeah. didn't really call I didn't call a blowout in this one. 
because I, I just knew Philadelphia will play down to the right. shitty competition and, and they'll look shitty just as well. And they looked horrible all night long, really. But um, that was the type of game where I think you got to at least make use of that second round draft pick. You got to see what Jalen Hurts can do. I would, I would have been extremely excited to see in the third quarter, you know, what this kid can bring to the table from a, a passing perspective. I know they put him in one play, you know, one for one for nine yards, but, and another thing, you know, and to, to really piggyback off of that is Doug Peterson. It's just like the guy lacks brain cells because as soon as we start running the ball, you know, really, really well with Boston Scott of all people, who once again, you're talking about a practice squad player, effective running the, the ball, seven yards of carry at one point, you go away from the run, basically the rest of the game. And then it's first down throw, second down throw, third down throw. It's so predictable. It, it, it looks the same every single week. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It's like they don't they don't go out of team's deep, uh, weakness. They just play yeah. the way they want to play. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't know, man. It, it's just mind-blowing. And, and I know I speak for a lot of Eagles fans where I, just the play calling has to be better. Wentz has to be better. It's just – yeah, we got the win, but it didn't even like feel like it. It was we were playing a team that had no heart and you know no no real talent on either side of the ball. Just because they've pretty much given up on on their coach, it seems seems like. And, and you know they're playing with a guy that this is his first career start. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think you know the as far as the QBR, I think they were pretty close with uh, Danucci Gucci and. Uh, you know, I'm not even Wentz, – Wentz doesn't deserve walking to him Wentz anymore. That should be, like, taken away. That should be thrown away. Just, hey, just Wentz. You, That's hey, all it is. You, real, you realize your team won last night, right? Yeah, yo, man, I, I, I know, but I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, it, if they played, let's say, the New Orleans Saints, let's say Tampa Bay, anybody that's on the, you know, the upper echelon, I, I feel better – after we lost the Baltimore game, because we lost by two points, then I felt, you know, that game last night. That game last <laughs> night made me just, you know, it showed all the weaknesses of this team. It just showed that Dallas is worse. But really, I, I think if Andy Dalton would have been in there for Dallas, that that we might not have won that game, in all honesty. With yeah, it might have been closer. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think uh... – you know, it's it's a classic, like you said. It's it's just the Eagles are are a better team, obviously than Dallas. They have better players. They have better talent, uh, despite all the practice squad guys that Wentz has in. Um, Dallas has been hit harder by the injury bug. I know every Philadelphia Eagles fan will disagree with that because they think that they're the only team in the league that has been hit with injuries, but that is frankly not true. Uh, I, I do think that Fulgham. Uh, is the best receiver, you know, the hottest receiver, I should say, outside of DK Metcalf right now in the NFL. Uh, Jalen Rieger is a very good wide receiver. He had his first touchdown last night, which was encouraging to see. Um, yeah, I think despite, I guess, sort of Wentz's ineptness and then also uh, as a play caller, uh, Doug Peterson's ineptness, they, they didn't – I mean, I don't know. 23 points isn't nothing to sniff at. I know they, they had that defensive touchdown and all that stuff, but – uh, I think it's just a, I, I wouldn't be too worried. I, th I think it's just a classic case of Eagles playing down to Dallas's talent level. I don't I don't think it's an indication of how they're gonna play the rest of the season, play out the rest of the eight games. I think it's just a it's your classic case of it's a it's a sleepy, foggy Sunday night in Philadelphia, and you're just gonna play down to your opponent. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I just I expect more only because, like, if you watch, you know, you watch the, these teams where. 
like Kansas City and, and, and you know, obviously they're, they're really the best offense in the league, but it's it's rare it happens, but I don't know. The Eagles just continue to come out flat so many games, so many just week after week where, like like I said, I said to Dan off air, I was watching the Steelers and Ravens go at it, and it's like those teams, like, know what they're doing. It, it just seems like they they execute on nearly every play, at least in a productive fashion, where it's like, when the Eagles actually execute like a 25 yard pass or something like that, for example, it feels like a miracle just happened. Like it's it just, it's it just like pulling teeth with that team. And, and it's been like that since, since the season started. And, you know, I, I definitely don't think that I'm the only one saying, you know, that the Wentz contract was a mistake just because of, I don't know, like he, he has all the talent in the world, but. How many years does he have left? What's that? How many years does he have left on that deal? Uh, it doesn't even start till next year. <laughs> oh, nice. So, That's perfect. <laughs> so, you know, we got a lot of issues. And it's just – it's not it, – let me put it to you this way. This is the easiest way I can say it. It's not exciting times to be an Eagles fan <laughs> due, to, due to the fact that, you know, we're in a, a horrible division. But, I mean, can you see this team doing anything in a playoff scenario? I, I No, really, but, really but they will make the playoffs, though. Yeah, but it's like I don't know, man. Sometimes I think, what's the point? You know, what's the point? It, I think it would teach this. I think it would teach Doug Peterson more if they would just start lose if they lost like eight in a row. Like, not that I want to experience that, but I think Doug Peterson finally might wake up and say, "Oh, maybe I'm making the the wrong play calls, game in and game out, and game in and game out, week in and week hey, out." I, I I completely agree with you. You you've been hearing me these last you know few weeks talking about the Jets and you know, wanting them to go 0-16 and get that better draft pick. There's nobody who is a proponent of losing when your team is bad than me. I understand it, but I I just think – I look at the rest of the NFC East. Dallas will not win a game the rest of the season. They're that bad. Uh, The Giants are 1-6. They're playing Tampa Bay right now in Monday Night Football. They probably won't get more than three or four wins. And the Washington football team isn't good either. So I I do think that the Eagles, you know, are in the driver's seat maybe – you know, the WFT, the WTF can catch them. Uh, you know, maybe the Giants make some noise. I just think that, you know, no matter what, the Eagles will be playing a playoff game. Will they win that playoff game? No, they won't. But it will be in Philadelphia. Uh, it will probably be, be against a superior opponent, uh, and they probably will get killed. But, I, you know, I don't think that, you know, Peterson or, or Wentz or the GM, Howie Roseman, thinks that this team is even close to contending. So maybe in the offseason they focus on – you know, developing some more talent, you know, maybe selling some guys who aren't going to be there long-term, getting some better draft picks, maybe trying to tear it down a little bit before bringing it back up. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, you know, that's, you bring up a good point. Um, I'm just not a, I don't know. I'd rather, if I'm Howie Roseman, if I'm, I mean, you got to sit back and you got to evaluate some of the decisions they made. I mean, you, you signed Deshaun Jackson for pretty good money. You signed, Alshon Jeffrey, who hasn't played even a snap this season. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. There's so many internal issues in this team. And, and then for, I don't know, it just seems like ever since they lost John Filippo, Wentz hasn't been the same. And I just don't think Doug Peterson, it's, it's either a matter of Doug, Doug Peterson being too stubborn with what's pass on, you know, first down, second down, third down every single week for the most part. I mean, they'll mix in a run here and there, but you know, you got to play to to the strengths of either your team or, or, you know, play to the weakness of the other team. And I just don't think he even has that 
you know, comprehension of that in his brain at some point, at most points in, in most games. So I don't know, man. I've, I've never been more frustrated as far as just watching this team week in and week out make the same, do the same stupid things, you know, where you'd think by this point in the season they'd have corrected. Whether they win or lose, it, it's just like it, it's never – it never feels like, wow, you know, we really executed that game. It's always like, well, we found a way to win. We found a way to and, – and don't get me wrong, that you know, there, there's a result of injuries and things like that, and that plays a, a definite part into all of that. But they've just got to be better. You're, you know, especially if you're Wentz, I mean, you're, you just got one of the biggest contracts in the NFL. You can't play like – he's I think he's 27th in, like, QBR. He's, he's like, towards the, the absolute worst in – like every stat you can throw at him, like so, that, there's just no excuse for that. You know, you had Cam Newton yesterday competing against Buffalo and almost pulling off, a, you know, that game with no weapons. You know, a pretty, a pretty subpar offensive line at this point. Like, I just don't, I don't want to hear the excuse where it's like, oh, he doesn't have the weapons. Oh, we play down to our competition. Like, you just, you got to be better than that. Uh, simple. There you have it, folks. Aaron is a beaten down man after a win. After the third win, no less, he's a beaten down man. Uh, the NFC East will run through Philadelphia. Like we said, they'll probably be in the playoffs. Uh, who, do, who do we got next week for Philly? Uh, we got a bye week, so, you know, I'm actually oh, excited to not watch that pathetic football team. So, there, there you go. go. After that, though, we got, we got Baker Mayfield, which I don't really see that being a win. But we'll see, I guess. You cannot lose the bye week, folks. You heard it here first. A W for the Eagles next week. Uh, no, that's it's, uh, some good stuff there. Uh, you know, I, I do feel for you. Uh, you know, it, it, it is an ugly win, but also a win nonetheless. Um, I know the goal is to contend game in and game out, and, and obviously you don't want to see your team playing down to an opponent, like especially a team as bad as the Cowboys are right now. But a win is a win, and we move on, and we survive in advance. And I think it'll be a saucy matchup against the Browns. Um, you know, they're coming off a bye. I'm not sure if the Browns have a bye next week, but maybe they catch them on an off week. Obviously, the Browns just came off a loss, or coming off a loss, I should say, to the to the Raiders and our guy, Derek Carr, butterfly scrub. So uh, maybe they catch them on a bad week. Who knows? Maybe they churn out a couple in a row here. But uh, nonetheless, 23-9 win from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, hey, folks, now is a portion of the show where we get to the worst football team in the history of the National Football League. Uh, the, Jets, <laughs> uh, the Jets lost a really close game, 35-9, uh, to nine, um, scored uh, three field goals, had one field goal blocked, uh, had 60 yards of offense total in the second half. Uh, Darnold got hurt again, hurt his same shoulder that he hurt a couple weeks ago against the Broncos. Um, the Chiefs just kind of toyed them all game, you know, kind of was, you know, playing uh, – Playing like a Sunday afternoon stroll walk in the park and really have the foil and gas that much. Uh, nonetheless, Patrick Mahomes still had 400 yards of offense, only had 10 incompletions, I believe, and uh, five touchdowns, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was five touchdowns. Um, number one pick uh, is clear in our sights. Uh, again, I told you this last week in my rant. They were never expected to be close in this game, uh, but we just have to recap this since I am a Jets fan. But uh, – Nonetheless, I, I did want to talk about the race for that number one overall pick. The Jets are squarely in the driver's seat at 0-8. Uh, the Giants are right there at 1-6. Same with the Jaguars at 1-6. The Falcons won a game to, to get to two wins. The Vikings won to get to two wins as well. 
and I believe the Texans also have one win. So uh, I will get pretty. I'll be pretty. I'm gonna be pretty, I'm pretty awesome in the air. I'm gonna be nervous the rest of the season because if the Jets end up winning a game, uh, and I mentioned this last week, if they get leapfrogged by the you know Jaguars or Giants or Texans, I'm going to be a very depressed football fan. Hey man, I mean, if if you're gonna be the worst, you might as well be the worst, right? That's how I look at it. Why 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 compete for, you know, be at the bottom, stay at the bottom. Like don't, don't you got to tank it the whole way, you know, see it through. Um, I don't know if if I'm the Jets owner, if I'm, you know, running that franchise, you you just got to plan for next year because, obviously, this year it just you know, and I'm not trying to add insult to injury, but it's been a nightmare, I would say. So. No, it's been a it's been a dream uh, to go zero and eight. Adam Gase, haven't talked about you know the, the the master behind this off behind this offense behind the hyperdrive offense that is the New York Jets. Uh, they play the Patriots next week on Monday Night Football. Uh, after that game, they go into their bye week. I think think um, if they lose this game, they will for sure fire Adam Gase. That might be a hot take. That might not be. Uh, down the right path there in terms of my thought process, but I think you have nothing to lose. Uh, the time to fire your coach is going into a bye week because you have that extra week to prepare, obviously. I'm not sure who would take over. Probably Greg Williams, maybe somebody else from the offensive staff. At this point, uh, just get a head start on the coaching search, please. Uh, I can't stand to watch this guy throw uh, wide receiver screens three times in a row, expecting them to work. I don't understand why you have your second uh, second round pick wide receiver uh, who is very good, very physically imposing, um, can high point the ball with the best of them very fast. I don't understand why you only throw to him three times and you throw to your 5'8", uh, white, small, slow slot receiver 11 times and he gets like 40 yards of offense. So uh, I'm tired of this coaching staff. I'm tired of Adam Gase coaching this team. Uh, he's just a creepy dude to even look at when he's doing his press conference. So if we could get him, that'd be fantastic. Uh, once he does get fired though, a little bit of a teaser, I will have, uh, some coaching candidates to talk about. Uh, yes, they'll probably all be on the offensive side of the football because it's an offensive league nowadays, but, uh, Nonetheless, Adam Gase, I'm expecting him to get fired after that Patriots Monday Night loss. Let me give you a let me give you a wild card, maybe a curveball type of question. How how would you feel if the Jets came out and said, "Yeah, we're going to bring Rex Ryan back for round two? I would no longer be a fan of the New York Jets football team. Wow, see, I dude, I'd welcome at this point seeing the way my team plays every week. I'd take him with open arms on my. <laughs> Dude, he, he's a talking he head for ESPN. He hasn't coached in like five years. Uh, but dude, when he when he said something like, if he said oh, we're gonna compete with the Patriots, they compete with the Patriots. Yeah, but it, it just it, after a while it just fell on deaf ears. Yeah, it was good for like the Super Bowl guarantees just got older and older. I, I yeah, he's a good defensive coach. I mean, I I guess if he's the only option, I wouldn't mind him being a defensive coordinator. Uh, and no. <laughs> way, shape, or form would I want him to be my head coach anymore. I, I, you know, people forget when he coached Buffalo that last year, they were absolutely terrible. I think they won, like, one or two games. They were absolutely terrible his last two years with the Jets. Uh, granted, some of that was for sure on the GM. I, I just think his shtick gets pretty old after a while. It definitely gets old in the media, uh, hearing the same shit different day. And, and he's a guy that's just going to pass the blame off to other people. Uh, you know, ever since he decided to stop coaching, he's taken shots at Sanchez, taking shots at Geno Smith. 
Uh, he's taking shots at the Jets organization, even though he was the main contributor uh, to those years of, of shittiness. But, uh, you know, I, I like your heads at. You know, we had some good memories. My favorite memories as a, as a football fan, as a Jets fan, are, you know, from the Rex Ryan era. So I'm not I'm not afraid to, to go in with, with an – I'm not opposed, I should say, to, to go in with an out-of-the-box hire. But Rex Ryan is certainly not that guy. Yeah, uh, just – just really to touch on that, the Rex Ryan thing, just because it popped in my head. There, there's times I think about, you know, if, if Rex Ryan were to come to the Eagles, I think it would be an, an excellent hire for just defensive coordinator alone. But I, I just remember, and, and, you know, I would say it was an exciting time to be a Jets fan when, when Rex Ryan was there, not towards the end, obviously, but, I mean, they, they were a winning football team under him. So I, it just always pops in my head, like, you know, Rex Ryan did turn them around for a, at least a time period. Yeah, no, I, like I said before, you're absolutely right. He was a very exciting coach. He injected life and energy into this franchise. I think they need a, they need a leader, I guess, sort of along the lines of a Rex Ryan. They need a leader of men. I, I don't really care about, if, you know, if you can, you know, scheme up the 20 best plays and, and throw out a script there that's going to, you know, be okay. I, I don't really care about that. Like Adam Gase's – you know, not to mention, like, I guess a bad football coach. He's just a bad communicator, a bad leader. So I really care more about someone who can lead a football team instead of individually coach them. That's why you have your position coaches, your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I just think a guy like Rex Ryan, a guy like Adam Gase, who only focuses on one aspect of the football team. I mean, when Rex Ryan was with the Jets, he neglected the offense side of the football. He wouldn't even sit in offensive meetings and I think Gase is the same way. He basically treats the defense as it's not his problem. Uh, so I need a CEO-type coach. I need a guy who's going to get in there. He's going to get his hands in, in all facets of the organization. Uh, he's going to communicate well with his players. He's going to get to know them, and he's going to basically have a scheme as well and have a good coaching staff who can build a scheme around his players. So if that's too much to ask, I don't know why I'm still a fan, if, if that's the case. But uh, – Nonetheless, we need somebody who is the anti-Adam Gase. Yeah, no, I, I completely I completely agree with where you're coming from. I think they need somebody to, to once again, like you said, really inject life, excitement, and, you know, passion into that, that franchise. I think Adam Gase is one of those guys where he just vanilla, you know, when, when he talks to that team, I'm sure it's one in one ear out the other. I'm sure there's people showing up late for meetings. I'm sure, you know, you got to have a guy that, it holds people accountable. It's somebody that, that pops in my head. I, you know, he's not going to coach, I don't think, ever again. But I just remember the, the Steelers under Bill Cowher. Like, they really look yeah. like they fought for that guy. You need you need somebody where, you know, the players are going to go out there and kill themselves for for somebody and, and be passionate and, and really want to win, you know, game in and game out. you got to have somebody that, that really rallies the troops. And, and, you know, like you said, Adam Gase isn't that guy. It, it blows my mind where – these coaches, like like you brought up, um, you know, they won't sit in on a meeting for, like, the opposite. Um, you know, let's say he's an offensive coach. He's not yeah. going to sit in for a defensive meeting. That, that's just pure selfishness, in my opinion. You know, do you ultimately want the franchise to be successful? I would say no, because if you cared enough, you would be in on those meetings. You know, that, that just that, – that always seems to just blow my mind. And, and that was obviously a downfall of Rex Ryan as well. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, at least pretend like you care and be there. Yeah, I, I just don't understand how you can hire guys as head coach and then have him not, you know, care about one side of the football. Why not just make him your offensive coordinator? But, 
Hey, I'm not owning a team. Um, I'm not coaching a team. I'm not involved with the team, but that's just my two cents. But from one terrible coach to one good coach, Mike Tomlin never had a losing season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. His team this year is 7-0. and 8-0 maybe. Um, I have no idea. But anyway, they, they uh, took it to the, to the Baltimore Ravens uh, on Sunday. Uh, Big Ben played pretty well. They ended up winning 28-24. Wanted to touch on this game just because I felt uh, we felt as a podcast it was the most exciting game. Uh, we really haven't given the Steelers that much love this season. Um, they are the only remaining undefeated team within the NFL, um, looking like they're well on their way to a top one or, or two seed within the AFC. And then also, you know, playing a good team as well in Baltimore, division rival. Uh, those games are always competitive, no matter the records, but. Uh, it's even a better game when those two um, are good teams and have decent records, which they did come into this year. Uh, the Ravens uh, are a fraud team. I, I feel like wholeheartedly they're a fraud team. Um, they've lost to the Chiefs and the Steelers this year. They beat teams. They beat up on teams who stink. Um, if they can play a team that they can get out to a, a touchdown or double touchdown lead, uh, they're probably going to coast and, and run out of the clock and run their running game. But if they're playing a team like the Steelers, who has a good defense, uh, who also has a good offense to go with that good defense, playing good complimentary football, they're playing a team who's going to probably hold their own and, and keep the game close and, and they're going to have to rely on Lamar Jackson's arm. I don't think they have that good of a chance. But uh, what were your thoughts on this game, Aaron, and, and what do you think the Ravens have to do moving forward to, to I guess, right the ship? Yeah, so I actually did watch this game from really start to finish. Uh, I was just – really intrigued by it. Um, I think, honestly, there were times in the game where I really thought Baltimore had a, an upper hand. I think at times I, I even think Baltimore has the better team on paper. Just I, their, their, their defense flies around. I mean, not that Pittsburgh's doesn't, but I just think it came down to, like, you know, overall I'd say Pittsburgh just ended up making more plays than they did. I think, you know, like you alluded to, if, if Baltimore can get off to a – you know, seven nothing, ten nothing lead. It's terrifying to try and compete with them, because um, you know you got to play. You got to have somebody in the middle of the field playing spy on on Lamar. And there's not many people that can you know keep pace with him uh, from a running perspective, from uh, just ch being able to chase him down. So um, you know, once you know at halftime, I I really was you know doubtful that that Pittsburgh was going to pull this game off. I thought they might make it a game, but. I think, you know, Baltimore having a 10-point lead at, at halftime, I thought for sure um, they would just keep the pedal down. They'd have Lamar, you know, run the ball effectively, throw it when he needs to, you know, run, run those formations with two two running backs. You know, you got pretty much all the tight ends in the game at that point and, and just kind of weave in and slice and dice through the Steelers' defense, which they really didn't have a problem doing in the first half. But um, got to give it to Pittsburgh. Got to give it to, to Mike Tomlin on that. I think he – you know, whatever he said at halftime, I'm sure there's some expletives in there, but whatever he did to, to ignite the troops at halftime, he really got them playing a great level of football in the in the second half. I mean, Big Ben was really pedestrian in the first half. He didn't do much of anything to, to really, you know, make that team um, effective on the offensive side of the ball. But in the second half, they just – they started to figure it out. Uh, Baltimore was, was kind of – you know, off their game at, at times. I think, you know, you forced Lamar into a lot of situations where he was either going to pick to run the ball or to throw the ball. And then ultimately he, he ran the ball a couple of times where he probably should have tried to, to throw it. And then at the very end, I mean, he made 
made a pretty good throw at the, you know, to really end the game, but just the Steelers broke it up. So I think on, you know, looking at these teams, how they match up, I think they're very, very similar in, in the fact that both those defenses can strike enormous fear into, into the opposing team. But, yeah. um, you know, I was honestly, I, I wanted Pittsburgh to win this game, um, but I was, I was extremely surprised that Pittsburgh won in the fashion that they did because once Baltimore was up 10 points, I just thought there was no way that they'd be able to keep pace with them with the way Baltimore was moving the ball. I just think at some points, you know, as great as Lamar Jackson can be and, and, you know, really is, I think sometimes he is the downfall of that team because the system in which they run, it's very hard for them to come back. Or if they're in a, in a tight shootout game, um, it's just very hard. It, you know, if the defense knows they're going to throw the ball, um, you know, they can stop Lamar at times. But he did come up with a lot of big, deep throws. I remember on the last – the final drive of the game, I thought they were dead in the water, and he just kind of chucked one up. And I think it was Hollywood Brown or or, or Snead. But, um, you know, he, he played well, but, you know, he did turn the ball over twice. So uh, not to, you know, go on a tirade about this game as well, but ultimately, like – you know, watching that game, I still felt like in some aspects that Baltimore is just loaded. I think Baltimore just from really every position, they, they are so effective and, and they just look, I just think they, if they're not the well, best coach team in the NFL, I think they're definitely in the top two, top three. They just, they don't really make, you know, dumb mistakes. They don't really blow coverages on defense really you know, hardly ever. It's it just, they're very intimidating to, to go up against. I would say that but Pittsburgh is still undefeated after after the fact. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see these two teams play again this season. Uh, yeah, I, I think Tomlin is, is a great coach. I think he's always been a great coach. I said he's never had a losing season. I, I think at this point in his career, uh, you know, being tied to the hip with Big Ben since he began his Pittsburgh tenure, I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, Lamar Jackson, obviously the Ravens are an exciting team. They're a fast team. They're the sexy team. So, uh, a lot of the, a lot of people were picking Baltimore to win this game, but I, I've yet to really see Lamar Jackson win a big game in his career. That stems all the way back to last season um, when they lost to the Titans in the playoffs and the season before when they got blown out by the Chargers in, in the playoffs again as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I think at this point, you know, obviously Baltimore is two games back um, for that division title. So it'll be that much harder if they get to fifth or sixth seed. Uh, because you have to think Kansas City and Pittsburgh are well on their way to locking up one and two, and then you kind of filter in the Titans and maybe a couple other teams, you know, for for three and four, and then Baltimore at five. So uh, I think the road to to obviously a playoff success, but the road to even an AFC Championship game is going to be tougher, for, you know, that much tougher for the Ravens because of this loss. But you know, I think at this point, if you're a Ravens fan or if you're a player on the Ravens, you got to hope for a couple stumbles here for Pittsburgh in, in the coming weeks. And maybe you can take a game against them later in the season when they play for a second time. Um, but, you know, yesterday's game, if that's any indication how the rest of the season will go, I, I don't think I see Pittsburgh really stumbling much. I'd have to take a look, a deeper look at their schedule and see who they play. But, you know, it seems to me like they're, you know, they're, they're in the driver's seat, they're in control. And, and do I think they're going to go undefeated in the regular season? Absolutely not. Um, but I think is as long as Big Ben can remain healthy and, and can sustain his durability, I think that team is going to do some damage this, this season and, uh, and and Baltimore is going to play some catch-up for sure. Yeah, so like, like you alluded to, I mean, 
Pittsburgh's next three games real quick. Uh, they go up to – or they go down uh, to Dallas, which should be an absolute cakewalk. They Loser. should probably beat them by at least 30, 35 points, I would say. Big Ben shouldn't even um, play. What's that? Big Ben probably shouldn't even play. I I was and, – and this is no insult to the Jets, but I was thinking that in the third quarter yesterday. Why do they still have Mahomes in there? Yeah, like no, that, no idea. No clue. Should, I, I get, you know, trying to uh, – Makes you know, no sense run up a team and then things like that, but is that worth, you know, I, I never looked at it that way. Just get off to a big lead, go up 28-7 and, and just, you know, throw the second string guy in there and just let Mahomes well, sit. I mean, I don't know. But I, I same, you know, same, similar uh, aspect there. And then you got Cincinnati going to, to the Steelers, which should be a win as well. Uh, might be closer than some people think. I mean, Joe Burrow's been balling, but Pittsburgh, I think, will have too much. Um, for them, and then, and then they play Jacksonville. So that should all that should be three straight wins. That should probably get them to ten and zero. I would say. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, you know, I guess out of that game, yeah, you mentioned Cincinnati probably giving them less trouble. I just think that Pittsburgh D line is going to absolutely pulverize that that Bengals offensive line, and Joe Burrow is going to be running for his life uh, once again. Because I mean, if you're if you're a team that's able to get to Lamar Jackson as shifty as he is, I think you're going to be able to get to a guy like Joe Burrow especially because, you know, the Cincy offensive line is, is that bad. But, yeah, no, it was probably the best game of the weekend. Um, I, I enjoyed watching it thoroughly. Um, it, it'll be a good matchup, I guess, sort of to watch down the line. And, you know, hopefully Baltimore can kind of figure it out and challenge Pittsburgh and Kansas City. But at this moment, I really don't see it. Um, moving on to, to sort of a weekly segment now that I think we're going to institute. It's kind of a two-a-watch, a two-attack of my little watch. We're basically, you know, watching him watching his game, seeing, uh, you know, checking up on him, making sure he's still healthy. Uh, and we can, we're happy to report after one week two is still healthy. So thank God for that. Uh, he will be playing week two, his second week, uh, second game next week. But uh, his Dolphins, uh, they improved to four and three, uh, took the W 28 to 17. Um, if they scored 28 points, how many of those points would you think that the quarterback is responsible for? I'll say at least 21 of them. Uh, he was responsible for seven of them. Uh, he was 12 for 22, 93 yards, one touchdown. Uh, they had a, a punt return for a touchdown. They had a fumble return for a touchdown. And then uh, I believe uh, his running back ran it in shortly after um, they returned a touchdown for like 80 yards but didn't, didn't score. So uh, Tua, kind of an underwhelming debut. If you're looking strictly at the box score, you probably think he let the world on fire. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, Aaron Donald, I think, actually ran him quite often. He pummeled him in his first play and then got to him a few times after that. But if you're able to escape a game, a game against the Rams unscathed, especially playing against the best defensive player in the league, uh, then I guess your your uh, hopes and dreams are probably looking up for the rest of the season. Yeah, to, to touch on the uh, Tua, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. I Not, not my strong suit is pronouncing last name. So. Um, you know, I, not, I mean, I'm not going to say he played terrible, but he didn't really have, like, I would say a massive impact on the game. I'll say that, you know, first start right out of the gate, right in the middle of the season too. So, you know, feel for the kid in that respect. They just kind of threw him in the fire, uh, after winning two straight games, but he found a way to, to win the ball game. And, and that's really the biggest thing. So, um, you know, stretcher is still, uh, sitting on the sidelines waiting to be used, you know, on standby. Always on standby, always, you know, ready to go because 
the guy is, uh, you know, a walking emergency room. So we'll see if he can make it through his first, uh, you know, shortened uh, NFL season. But that, that's where I'm most intrigued by with uh, Tua. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll hit you back with a Tua injury update next week. Uh, the Dolphins are fighting for a playoff spot at four and three, uh, thick into the wild card race. But let's get to some playoff talk here, Aaron, and and kind of see where, where we're shaking out halfway through this NFL season. We'll start with the AFC and just to run through the division leaders quick. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first seed at 7-0. Kansas City following them up at 7-1. The Buffalo Bills are are six and two, and the Tennessee Titans are five and two at number four. Uh, number five is the Ravens at five and two. Number six is the Colts also at five and two, and then number seven are the Cleveland Browns at five and three. Um, so I believe seven teams are going to the playoffs uh, this year from each conference, uh, with the one seed in each conference getting getting that by. The two seed unfortunately will not. Um, if you look at these teams that, you know, that are fighting for that seventh spot, you have the Browns and Raiders, and the Raiders just beat the Browns um, yesterday. And then you have the Dolphins as well. Um, who do you think out of those three teams, I guess, would sort of shake out and, and ultimately get that seventh spot? Yeah, that's extremely interesting. I've, I've been kind of on the record that Baker Mayfield has a ton to prove this year after coming off a, a pretty rough – uh, I want to say sophomore season. So um, I, part of me thinks, you know, Cleveland finds a way, but then, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm always reminded they're Cleveland. They never win anything uh, when it comes to the Browns organization. So um, it's interesting. I, you know, the Raiders have looked really, really good at, at portions of, of the season, but then again, they've lost some games where I think they should have won. Um, I don't know, man. It's really hard for me to say. I'm not, I'm definitely not on the Tua train. I'm not, I don't think he's, like, going to get them to the playoffs. I, I'm going to rule right. him out of the equation. I just – I'm not a believer, at least yet. Um, so, you know, if, if it really narrows down to, to Cleveland and the, and the Raiders, I think – you know, I think the Raiders are probably better coached. Uh, John Gruden, obviously, out there. Um, you know, I, I, I hate betting against Baker Mayfield because I do really like the kid. I think, uh, you know, his swagger brings some, some – you know, interest to the Cleveland Browns. I think, you know, them having Odell bring some interest there. I'm not a big Odell guy, but, um, you know, I'm rooting for the Browns, but I, I say, you know, probably the Raiders squeak in only because, you know, Cleveland's in that in that division where they have to play Pittsburgh, they have to play Baltimore multiple times a year, and those are really, really hard games to win. So I'll, I'll say the Raiders find a way into that seven seven slot in AFC. I'm going to have to agree with you. I think uh, the Raiders have some good wins on this season already. Uh, they uh, they handed the Chiefs their only loss. Uh, but, you know, they do have some bad losses. The Patriots lost from a couple weeks ago. Kind of sticks out to me. And the Raiders own that uh, tiebreaker, even though, you know, Cleveland has one more win because they played one more game than the Raiders. Uh, you know, it comes down to it. Vegas has that tiebreaker. So, uh, playoff teams today, AFC, I think you're kind of looking at Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee. Baltimore, Indianapolis, and then the Raiders after that. Really after, I guess, the Browns, it kind of tails off. And then you have, you know, Dolphins, as we said, Broncos, Bengals. I don't think those teams are really in position to compete for a playoff spot. So, uh, to me, there's only seven to eight teams in the AFC who are really going to compete. But um, let's move over to the NFC. Um, we have the Seattle Seahawks at 6-1. and one. 
Packers at five and two, Saints at five and two as well. The Philadelphia Eagles at three, four and one. Can't forget that one in there. Uh, you have the Cardinals at, at five and two in the fifth slot. The Buccaneers at five and two, currently losing. Yes, I said losing to the New York Football Giants, fourteen to three at halftime on Monday Night Football, which is interesting. Um, so they're five and two currently. Could be five and three by the end of this podcast. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams at number seven at five and three. And the Bears are number eight, also at five and three. So, to me, the NFC is a little bit more competitive. You have the Rams, as I just said, at five and three. The Bears shortly behind them. And then you have the 49ers at four and four. Uh, came out today, George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo both heading to the injured reserve with, um, you know, I think I think uh, Kittle has a leg injury. And then, obviously, Garoppolo is dealing with that high ankle sprain. So, you know, if you're playing Nick Mullins and you're without your best receiver, are you going to win? You know, without them, probably not. So maybe you can cross them off this contender list. The Bears, to me, are the worst five-win team in football right now. They, um, you know, played the Saints in Chicago in a windy, windy Chicago night last night and didn't play very well. Nick Foles looked terrible. Matt Nagy's a horrible play caller. Uh, they couldn't really get much going. But uh, I think I think that, you know, the Rams also, too, losing to a, to a team in Team like Miami obviously doesn't help. So I guess that seven seed is kind of for grabs right now with, with teams really not wanting to take it. But um, is there a team that you see that might come out of the pack, whether it be the Panthers or the Lions or, you know, maybe even the Washington football team other than, you know, those teams that I mentioned that might come and grab that seven seed? Uh, I can't, I can't say I see that. Um, <laughs> honestly, I mean, I'm, Part of me says San Francisco is loaded enough to, to win even with Nate Mullins, but, I mean, the Eagles went in there and pretty much, you know, handled them pretty easily. And you you can obviously tell how bad the Eagles are. Um, so, I don't know, man. Like, coming into this season, I had high expectations for Teddy Bridgewater. I just thought he would, you know, they'd fly under the radar, but they, they'd, you know, find a way into the playoff scenario or at least be right there. I mean, they're at three and five. I don't, I don't know if I see them squeaking in at this point. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm a believer in Nick Foles in, in some scenarios. I think, you know, in Philadelphia, he's, he's money. But uh, after a really hot start in, in Chicago, I, they've, they've started to struggle. Um, you know, they started to halter a little bit. Uh, it, it's hard for me to – I don't know, man. I, I'm not a believer in the Rams either, though. The, like, I think the NFC has so much inconsistency in comparison to the AFC that it's so hard for me to say, like, you know, I definitively am going to pick this team and they're going to, you know, I have confidence in them. So I think it's wide open. If I had to take a guess, I, I say, you know, probably the Rams, just because of Sean McVay, you know, they, they hold on to that seventh spot. Um, I, I, I'm rooting for Nick Foles. Ultimately, I, I would like to see him win, you know, at least something and, and have some success somewhere other than Philly. But like you alluded to, Matt Nagy, not exactly a, a genius uh, by any means. Um, San Francisco bitten with the injury bug. I mean, maybe we should we should allude to uh, Jimmy G as, as like kind of a Tuo's you know long lost cousin because he he, <laughs> seems to be, he seems to be banged up every other week or every week or every season ever you know all the time really. So I never been a big fan of Jimmy G and, and he can't stay on the field. Detroit, I mean, you know you know you know what Detroit usually does is they, they hang for about half the season and they, you know, fall off the, the biggest mountain they can find and just nose, nose dive and lose the last five out of the last six games and, and things of that nature. So I guess, I guess, 
to sum it up, I mean, I think the Rams probably hang on to that, that final position. Hopefully not. You know, it would be cool to see Chicago. I, I don't mind Chicago in that, in that scenario. But as far as the, the rest of the teams, I don't really see, like Washington, I don't really see Minnesota, Carolina, probably not, and, and really the other teams just probably not at this point. In your professional opinion, do you think that uh, a team like the 49ers may be looking to get away from Jimmy G a little bit? He's injury prone. He's owed a lot of money. Uh, do you think a team like that would trade a first-round pick for Sam Darnold? Uh, first-round pick, I don't know. That might be a stretch uh, in my professional opinion. I, I mean, maybe a second-round pick. I don't see why. You know, if I if I'm the 49ers, I I try and off him. I would. I I'm not a guy that that would want to hold onto a Jimmy G that you know could have won that Super Bowl. Granted, his first Super Bowl, he hasn't played a ton in his career, but pretty much threw that game away. And ever since then, it's been injury prone and, and and just I don't know, man, just not exactly a stud. He was kind of a game manager last year. So if I if I'm San Francisco, you know, I might. I might take that chance. I might say, you know, what can I get for him at this point? Maybe I go with a Sam Darnold who's been, you know, fairly healthy, you know, and except for, you know, what the flu. I mean, (laughs) I'll take my chance with that. I'd rather have at this point, I'd rather take my chance on Sam Darnold than continue to pay Jimmy G to not play half the season or three quarters of the season every year. I, this, this, you might think I'm insane. I think the Jets get a one for Darnold from some team. I'll tell you why. I think, you look at a team like the Steelers looking to get rid of Big Ben eventually. You look at a team like the Colts. Obviously, they're, they're not going to have Phillip Rivers there for a long time. You look at a team like the Niners, who we just mentioned. You won't have Jimmy G forever. The Bears won't have Nick Foles forever. Uh, I just think there's at least one or two teams out there that will covet his services and drive that price up. I think everybody you know who has any shred of football sense within their body uh, can tell that it's Adam Gase's fault and, and not so much Sam Darnold's fault. Uh, I, I just think you kind of look at the talent around him. You mentioned the Eagles receivers. I think Darnold has even worse than that, considering he's playing you know, with guys that were on the roster two weeks ago. Uh, I, I think a team gets desperate enough, and, and you know maybe he takes a year and, and sits. Maybe he takes two years and sits behind the Big Ben, or you know sits behind Nick Foles or something next year, or sits behind Jimmy G. I do think he gets a chance to start again in the future. I, you know, at this point, you, you, you know, if you're the Jets GM, you kind of got to trade all of your assets and get as many picks as possible to, to try to, you know, rebuild on, on the fly there. But uh, I call me crazy. I do think the Jets get a one for it. It could be a late one. It could be a one next year, not even, not even this year, but I do think they get a one from some team. What about – what do you feel about Sam Darnold to the Atlanta Falcons? Because I don't think Matt Ryan – I think Matt Ryan's kind of exhausted himself this season. They, they look absolutely terrible. They blow lead after lead after lead after lead. Um, I just – I think they got to move on from him. I, I think it's time. That's intriguing. I, I, I mean, I, you know, they're probably going to be a top five pick, so I don't think we'll get a top five pick for Darnold. If we did, that would be – Probably robbery and, and our GM should win GM of the year for that trade. Uh, you know, I think if, if they were probably picking, you know, like maybe top 20, top 25 ish, yes, you know, maybe 2020, 25 ish in that range, yeah, we'd probably get something for him. You know, maybe, you know, I, I think, I, I think if you're a team like 
the Falcons. I, I'd probably take a second-round pick for him just because their second-round pick's probably going to be in the low 30s. Um, and that's essentially a late first-rounder at that point or, or a tradable asset for an established receiver or an established offensive lineman. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't mind that fit there. I think, uh, like you said, that they're not going to win it. They're not going to win. They're not going to lose with, with Matt Ryan. I think he, he kind of puts him at – even, even, you know, even, I guess, I don't really think he does much for him. I don't really think he hurts him. But, uh, yeah, to try to get someone who's younger with some more upside, with uh, some more athletic ability, with a cheaper contract, I don't think is a bad idea at all. But, uh, yeah, if we could get a number one pick there, I would give Joe Douglas GM of the year for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, probably what you think Darnold probably plays out the rest of the season, I would say. Yeah, I think they'll take the next – you know, half the, this half of the season to evaluate them. Uh, I mean, if they get the number one overall pick or if they get the number two overall pick, they're taking Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. And there's really no if, ends, or buts about it. And they'll probably make a draft day trade with some team. Um, I think you can get at least a two for them. I'd be happy with a two or above. I'd be happy with like two or third rounders uh, in this year's draft. So, you know, I, you know, if, if you're having, if you have the third pick or the fourth pick or the fifth pick, I think you have, that's probably to me. That's probably worst case scenario because then you're you're tasked with a situation where you're like, okay, do I build around Darnold with a new coaching staff with some new receivers? Hopefully, do I take my chances there, or do I draft like a you know like a Trey Lance or a guy who isn't as highly touted as the top two, but there's also some risk there. So uh, thankfully, I'm not in that position to make that call. Uh, but you know, if the Jets keep on continuing what they're doing, uh, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> Hey, if you want to talk Jets football, Daniel Kurtz is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Damn straight. Anybody. Anybody. Damn straight. If you want to, if you want to complain about a about a win, Aaron's your guy. Uh, that's our show, folks. Uh, Aaron, why don't you take us home? Yeah, looking forward to you know ongoing NFL season. I hope that uh, you know it would be cool to see you know maybe. Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Am, am I predicting things? No, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that. But I like um, it. you know, maybe, maybe that would be cool. Big Ben versus versus Brady. Uh, you know, they've gone toe to toe in the AFC Championship game. You know, countless times. But um, I don't know. I'm just you know going off on a little tangent. Why not? But uh, yeah, look forward to look forward to talking football, more football later in the week because um, that's really the only thing going on right now. Take it home.